Welcome to the City Life Church. If you're a neighbor and you're visiting our church through someone's house, we're glad that you're here. Maybe you found this link online just as you were scrolling, or maybe a friend sent it to you and you're watching by yourself or with your family, but you've never done anything with the City Life Church before. We're glad that you're here. If you call City Life Church your home, we're excited because both our Newport News and our Suffolk campus are worshiping together. Now, we're sad and just like you are that we can't be together tonight, but that doesn't mean that we can't worship together tonight under one banner, and that banner is Jesus Christ. Hey, I wanna open by reading some verses to you. It comes out of Acts chapter two, and we're going to start in verse 46. So if you've got a Bible that looks like this, you can turn there. Uh, if you've got a device, you can swipe there. Again, Acts chapter two, beginning in verse 46. It says, they, speaking of the church, when Christianity was just being formed, it says, they worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now this is an important text for us as we're beginning this journey of social distancing. And this is the thought I wanna share with you. These verses speak to the time in history when Christianity was being born. And as we see here, Christian community was in the home long before it was ever at a church. Let me say that again. Christian community was in the home long before it was ever at a church. So let's pray together as we get started. Father, we just, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to come together. We thank you that technology like this is available to us. Even though we can't be together, we don't have to be disconnected. And I pray, Father, that over these next few weeks, as we come together to worship you, to commune together uh, through this means of, 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 uh, of online service, Lord, that, that even though we might be apart, that our hearts can still be united together. In Christ's name, come on. And everybody said, amen. Well, we're going to look at a parable together tonight. A parable is kind of a religious term that refers to a made-up story that Jesus created to teach and to illustrate spiritual lessons. And the one that we're going to look at together tonight, it's just, it's a short parable. It's just a verse. It comes out of Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Matthew 13, 44. Now, some of you are familiar with this. It's the story about the man who finds a treasure in a field. And what's unique about this parable is that the treasure is so valuable that the man is willing to sell everything that he has to possess it. Now, I would imagine that all of us have things in our possession that we would consider a treasure. I brought one for me that I keep in my office. This is a level. Uh, you've seen me bring this out before. If you've been a part of our church for any amount of time, this is a level that belonged to my grandfather. It was my mom's dad. He was a carpenter by trade. Uh, and this is a level that he used. It still works today to measure both a vertical and a horizontal level. Now, this is a treasure to me. Uh, it's, it's priceless. But even a treasure like this, even something as valuable to me and my family that this heirloom is, I would still not sell everything that I have to possess it. So, so what could that kind of treasure be? Unless we believe that Jesus is given to hyperbole or Jesus is given to exaggeration, which we know he's not, it means that there is something that you and I can possess in this life 
that is more valuable than everything else that we own. Matthew 13, 44 reads this way. I'm reading on the New Living Translation. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. And in his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Now, now let me just modernize this parable for our current situation and circumstance. So let's say I'm at home, social distancing, I'm a little bit bored and I decide, I think I wanna buy a field. So I call up my good friend, Jason Kearney, who's a real estate agent. And I say, Jason, I'm field shopping. And so he sends me a list. Of course, I'm going by myself. And I find an address that's way out in Smithfield in the middle of nowhere. And as I'm walking around, I realize that there is an area of dirt that looks like it's been recently disturbed. Now, because I grew up in Verina and I'm still a little bit of a redneck, I drive a truck and I have a shovel. And so I go to that spot and I begin to dig. And you know what I find? This is what I find. I find a Costco multi-pack toilet paper. I found a case of Purell and wait for it. Yes, a 3M R95 particulate mask. Now, I think we can all appreciate how much of a treasure these things are to you and I right now. But the question still remains, even facing a global pandemic, even although you might have a need for some of these, would you sell everything that you own to possess it? Now, I don't think Jesus was thinking about a global pandemic when he gave us this parable, but I do think, I do think that he was thinking about the life that you and I live every day. And I believe that there are four key components to this parable for us to look at tonight together to help us to understand what Jesus was trying to teach us. The first one is this idea of a man, which in Jesus's day was a generic term for a person. He's not talking about men only. He's saying really people. So you can read this parable that a person found a field. Now, the reason why I think Jesus starts here and why this is important is because Jesus is trying to tell us that even though that there are lots of things in this life that separate us, that differentiate us, our ethnicity, our culture, our passions, our interests and hobbies, think about our vocations and our callings, where we live geographically, our socioeconomic status, and we can keep going with that list. And if, and if we're not careful at some point, we will see that there is more that divides us than brings us together. And I think Jesus begins with this parable by saying simply a person because he wants us to know that there are still things in this life that every person shares and that there are some things in this life that are the same for all people for all time no matter who they are and no matter where in history they might have lived and that's where we come to the field that we're all a person and that we're all moving through this life and this idea of a field I believe is Jesus saying to you and to me that we have the ability to dream and to hope for a better life. See, I think the one thing that brings us all together, I think the one thing that is the same for all of humanity is that God created us with the ability to desire and he created us with the capacity for aspiration. He created us with the ability to hope and dream for a better life. Even if you don't have any idea what that better life might look like, 
I think Jesus is saying to all of us that something deep inside of us believes that there can be a future that is better than the one that we have today. Psalm 27, 13 is a hallmark verse for us here at the City Life Church. It's rendered this way in the New Living Translation. It says, yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Another translation renders it, I would have lost heart if I had not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I, I think that's what the field is. It's, it's the hope and the belief of a better tomorrow. Which brings us to the question, if we're understanding that the person is all of us and that the field is a hope and a dream for a better future and a better tomorrow, what is the treasure? And I would suggest to you tonight that the treasure is belonging to Jesus. Now you might say, well, friend, what? That, that doesn't really follow with what a treasure is because a treasure should be something that I hold. A treasure should be something that I possess. A treasure should be something that belongs to me. But see, this is where Christianity often takes a turn for us. It feels backwards. It, it feels a little bit upside down. But that's part of why Jesus came. It's one of the reasons why he spent so much of his life in ministry teaching us is to help us to understand that the human experience is really what's backwards. And it is the Christian experience which leads us into our eternity that he's trying to prepare us for. And he's saying to you and to me, I believe that the greatest treasure that we could ever have in this life is for our life to belong to him. It's not about what's in our hands. It's whether or not our life is in his hands. Let me share these verses with you. It comes out of 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 9. It says, we now have this light shining in our hearts, Paul writes, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing a great treasure that even though we're vulnerable, which we're all experiencing now, given our circumstance, he's saying that there is a treasure that we can possess inside of us. And this makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. Now listen to these verses. These are especially meaningful given our circumstance and situation with a global pandemic. Verse 8, it says, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Why, Paul writes? Because there is a treasure in the field of our lives. And that treasure is the hope and the belief and the confidence in the faith that our lives belong to Jesus. So as we work through this parable, we're saying that the person is all of us. The field is a hope for a better future. And what makes a life better tomorrow, what makes us, us have this belief that we can believe for something wonderful is knowing that there is a treasure that's waiting for us in our lives and that treasure is belonging to Christ. So what is the price? Because every treasure costs something. It's one of the reasons why in this parable, as short as it might be, we're seeing how full it actually is, that Jesus says that this man had to go and sell everything that he had. And he didn't do it reluctantly. It said he, he, he was excited at the possibility of possessing the treasure. You, you, you see, when you see a treasure for what it's worth, all of a sudden it puts everything else 
into perspective. And for this man in this story, he was saying it made everything else that he owned meaningless. You see, I believe that the price that you and I are supposed to pay, even though the treasure is my life belonging to Christ, the price that I'm supposed to pay is making a vow of devotion to Christ. That's our sacrifice. And that's the price that we give to him. Listen to these verses in Luke 9, 23 to 25. It says, then he said to the crowd, this is Jesus speaking, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you yourself are lost or destroyed? Another translation said, what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world, but yet lose their own soul? You see, there are a lot of people, maybe some of you are watching right now, that you would say you believe in who Jesus is. Some of you are watching right now and you would say that Jesus as a person in history, maybe was a, a great religious teacher that you admire or respect. Or maybe for you, someone is Jesus is, 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 is someone that you would say you trust. But the, but the question remains, have you paid the price that is required to possess the treasure that makes the field of your life better than you could have ever hoped for, as so many other people have done? And that price is simply this. As you look back into the story of your life, can you find a moment in time where you have made a vow of devotion to Christ? I know for me, I think back, it was, I was 23 years old, 30, 30 years ago. I was in Richmond. I was riding down Laburnum Avenue. Eastgate Mall was coming up on my right, a mall that's not even there anymore. I was in the favorite car I've ever owned, a little blue 1984 Honda Prelude. And as I'm, I'm riding in that car, I was wrestling with the decision that I had struggled with for months. And, and I guess, it, honestly, I could say it was a decision that I struggled with for years. And in that moment, I was ready to make a vow of devotion to Christ. I didn't understand everything that it was going to mean for me. I didn't understand all the change that it was going to have to come. But I had come to a place in my life where I was ready to say that I believed that Jesus is the Son of God. I believed that he died for my sins. And I believed that he had a plan and a purpose for my life that I did not want to miss out on. And one of my biggest regrets in this life is that I didn't do it sooner. And on that day, on that day, I bought the field and I found the treasure. You know, Pastor Justin and I met with the staff on Tuesday and we began to dream and plan and create and think of how we're going to continue to be a church apart, but yet together through technology. And, and part of what you're experiencing today was born out of that meeting. And so we want to say thank you to so many people that have helped to pull this off through worship and our tech team. And, and then after that meeting was over, Pastor Justin and I went up to my office and we just began to talk about how we're going to work together to bring a teaching and a, and a message each week like the one that you're hearing now. And in that meeting, we really felt like the Holy Spirit inspired a phrase that he birthed in our heart. And the phrase was this, that it's a time to thrive and not just survive. Let me say that again, that it's a time to thrive and not just survive. So what does a life that belongs to Jesus that is thriving look like? Let me ask you that question again. What does a life that belongs to Jesus 
that is thriving look like? You see, because if you're making a vow of devotion to Christ, maybe you're making it a part of the service. Maybe you're going to make it in the coming days. Maybe you've made it in the past. And this life that you have as a devoted follower of Christ is part of who you are. The question still remains is, are you giving it the attention that it needs? Like any field, are you tending to it so that it can thrive? I want to talk to you about a website it's called letspraxis.com. Just we're not selling you anything. All of this is free. We're just trying to put some resources in your hands. It's L-E-T-S-P-R-A-X-I-S. Letspraxis.com. It's a website that we've used for years. It belongs to our church. We created it to help people understand how you can thrive in your Christian life. Now, I'm going to encourage you to go to that website when we're done with this service together. And then when you get to that website on the top, you're going to see where it says books and you're going to click on that. And then it's going to open up a page and you're going to select digital copy. You can order a book if you want, but that's not what this is about. This is about putting a free resource in your hand. Select digital copy, then add to cart and then select checkout. Then you're going to have to put your email and your home address in there and then hit purchase. Now it's free. You're not going to be charged anything. You're not even going to give us any information that would enable us to charge you. It's all free. And as soon as you hit purchase, immediately on your device, whatever you're using, there's going to be a downloadable link for you for the PDF document of this booklet. Now I'm going to talk about this in just a minute. It's also going to send you an email that has that link. It's not just going to enable you to view something online. It literally downloads it to whatever device that you're having and it's going to be yours. You can print it out if you want to or you can look at it on your device. This is the little booklet that we give out at our church every week for free for people that are coming to help them understand how they can thrive as a devoted follower of Christ. Now, this is the book that we're going to invite you to work through with us in the coming days. As you download the PDF, you're going to see a table of contents, introduction and grace. That's what we're going to invite you to do tomorrow as a family. And then discipleship, the invitation, the commands, and all the way down through final thoughts will take you all the way to Saturday. And what we're challenging everybody who's watching tonight with us is that you're going to download this. Many of you already have this book. You can just use it. Is that do one chapter each day for the next seven days. And that's going to give you as a family something to talk about. It's going to give you as a family something to bring you together to reflect back on this message. And then if you live by yourself or, or maybe you, you're, you're watching online, that what we'd encourage you is send this to other people and you can kind of create a family of sorts for yourself so that you can come together each day to talk about something meaningful in this journey as a devoted follower of Christ. If you've never made a vow of devotion to Christ, what you're going to find is in the chapter called Grace, there is a prayer that's right there just for you. And if you pray that prayer, then I would encourage you share that with someone. And if you don't know who to share it with, then share it with us and let us begin a journey with you as part of God's family. I want to thank you for joining us over these few minutes together. I trust that you have had a meaningful encounter and experience with each other, that, that God's word has, 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 has been a, a nourishment to our hearts. And I trust that you're going to keep coming back together with us each week. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for the work that you're doing in our lives. I thank you, God, that even though we couldn't be together in the same room, this is what we know about you is that you've been in the room with each of us. 
That even if we're in our house or wherever we are by ourselves, that Jesus, you are present with us in that place. That no person is truly alone because every person is ultimately there with you. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. I pray that your Holy Spirit would minister to us. I pray even now, just as I'm praying, just knowing that there are people that are probably feeling immense fear or immense anxiety. God, I I pray that you would just bring comfort to their heart. That even though it might feel like the world around us is out of control, we know, we know that everything is still ultimately under your authority. And we put our trust in you, in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll see you next week. So Pastor Fred shared with us the secret to thriving in this season. And it isn't some form of self-help. It's not some way to increase your focus or get things done at home. The secret to thriving in this and every season is to be rooted in Jesus Christ, to find your source of life in Jesus. You know, we opened with the picture of what happens to roots in the winter season when all looks dormant and void of activity. So what does it look like to put down roots and lay a foundation on Jesus Christ, our cornerstone? That's what's in the book Praxis, which again, you can download. It walks us through this process. And this book is useful in every season because spiritual disciplines are useful in every season, but especially this one. So what about you? Do you feel like you've been gutting it out? There's grace for that. God gives you grace for that. Give yourselves some grace. But what if we recognize that God uses every obstacle as an opportunity to grow and we strive toward doing just that? Let's work toward that end, considering the chapters and questions in the book Praxis and share your honest thoughts and feelings with those around you throughout the week, not just surviving, but thriving. I'll be talking a little bit more about this next week from the life of Daniel and his friends isolated in Babylon. But until then, stay in touch digitally, even as we're distant socially, and let's put down strong roots and grow together.